National Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. NAVA in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. Natalitas from Nava and here on the gorgeous orange couch at Nava um, we're going to chat with Sojerk um, and hear about your latest work and hear about maybe some past work and some next plans but first of all hi nice to see you both hey you thank you for having us yeah for sure it's really really great to get to talk especially given I've it's funny I've you know we get to in our various roles uh, meet some extraordinary people and some extraordinary thinkers and um, in your case I um, had seen Terra Nullius and then responded to that in a number of different contexts before getting to meet you guys and I've also of course had the chance to then hear you speak in different contexts and um, which has been fantastic because so many aspects of your work just stay with me and keep playing in my mind so great to get to chat let me just ask just first of all about um, your work and about um, the not so much the technology but the craft of mashup the deep focus the way that it must affect your memory and the way that you see and perceive what you want to use again or in the future how does it affect just the way that you, I guess, see and consume media and art in general? Yeah, gosh, I don't know. No, it's such a good question. Wow, that idea of like where, where our sort of sampling um, impulses came from, I think is like a really, something that we've been thinking about lately, I think. Um, uh, I mean, especially to do with like sort of our relationship to growing up in Sydney in the sort of late 90s and being part of um, the electronic music scene but also these other scenes of like queer performance um, and also like squat scenes. Yeah and you know I, I definitely think that like you know that kind of experience of culture but thinking about it like the way that people were working then was not just this idea of um, of, of culture, but how do you actually take you know these privatized moments and and then you know reform them into um, how do you, you seize those moments? Yeah. How do you seize culture and and you know and politicize it? You know, and so that was something that was like going around all the time. You know, in these different things, like in terms of real estate or technology and or sound, sound or music. You know, and so it was it was sort of in that that sense that sampling, like we understood it as this idea of um, of you know, a kind of broader resistance to privatization. And so I guess when we're looking at culture, I think, you know, we're also also considering that these are like narratives that people are controlling, you know, and, and that, that embedded and encoded in films is all these secret hidden um, stuff around history, around politics. And, and so you're never seeing something naively. It's like, it's always anyone when they're experiencing it is experiencing all these layers of, of different encoding and, and stuff. And so, you know, taking that and trying to re-encode it is, is just about sort of 
you know, reading stuff, being a hacker, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, I wish I could code, but I just use hacker really liberally. Like, to Well, you can code as well. I know, very badly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's valid to use, um, to use hacking in that context because it's kind of like, yeah, there's the sort of coding aspect and that sense of um, that you can subversively take something and, and then repurpose it. But then there's also hacking just in terms of like, we have to all get better at critically interpreting what we're seeing. And not, you know, accepting um, media reports as ready-made, and not accepting certain, you know, cultural products or mainstream kind of um, movies, sitcoms. That that sort of like what what underlies, and you know, what are you kind of like? What's the instinct? What what? Uh, possesses you to, to seize that and, and for you guys I guess as artists there's you're seizing something um, to claim it and work it and then if you're if you're not an artist it's you know in seeing your work I don't know there's this there's this criticality that is hopefully triggered and trained in the way that we see things the way that we experience things yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think that everyone is already doing the thing that we're doing. You know what I mean? Like, we're <laughs> yeah. not doing anything new. We're not reinventing the wheel. It's like, I don't know, we're living in a moment in time, which is, uh, you know, there's been a, like, a crisis in image culture, I think. You know, and like you're yeah. saying, it's like people are constantly remaking and, like, reassembling these political narratives and cultural, like, realities. And it's really scary because, you know, sometimes they're remaking them in these terrifying ways. And, and you know, I absolutely agree with you that if we're going to be able to change that world or change or, that reality yeah change that reality we're gonna have to like get better at like like working with images and working with our own like kind of generative fictions to to come up with our own stuff like otherwise other people are just gonna shape the world into a world I don't want to live in you know like yeah. so we want to participate in that and that's how and that's what our, we think our role is as artists that's kind of like that's 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 deeply profound, but it's also terribly terribly important and, and and kind of simple, you know, that the role of the artist can mean so many things today, and not all artists see themselves as I guess creating work that is political, creating work that is a, a resistance or a mode of resistance, and yet all art is staking a position and staking a place that. Uh, is not then available for commercial use or the advertising image or something that is trying to sell us something, you know. So whether we think of that as political or not, it, um, it serves a political purpose. Um, and so, you know, I think about um, uh, with Terranellis, for example, um, oh, how do you put it in the beginning? It's a, what kind of film? There's a way that you talk about it being a documentary um, how do you put that? Um, I'm not sure, like a rogue documentary or in a, well, I'm not sure what you're referring to. I think it's just in the, in that, um, in one of the title slides where there's um, having to insert something in case people didn't quite realise that Gina Hutt, right, oh, had not right. been Oh, right, the title card, I yeah. I say that it is a, um, it's not fiction, it is documentary. Yeah, yes. it says yes. it's not a documentary, it's, documentary. Um, it's a, it's a, drama and mm. I mean that's a the stolen I mean no yeah. I mean it's not <laughs> no. I mean it's, just, it's I think it's very in tune with what you're trying to trying to say and I mean for one that's a stolen um, title, card. title card so it's taken from Gina Reinhardt's um, uh, 
televisual yeah, biography. And yeah, and she yeah. sued oh. Channel 9 because they misrepresented her, so they had to put this title card at the beginning saying, oh, we never said this was a documentary, even though it's clearly, like, oh, informed by true events. But, yeah, I think what you're, like, exactly what yeah. you're saying is that we see ourselves as, like, these rogue documentary makers, yeah. you know, and the idea of documentary as being, you know, I mean, what what is, like, fact and what is fiction? And, you know, already any idea of fact is being so fictionalised in politics, in anything. And so, you know, we need to come up with these counter-mythologies of, you know, to fight back against that, those kind of narratives and kind of provide these alternative documentary kind of uh, takes on, like, historical and cultural... Um, mythologies and narratives right yeah because you kind of you know part of the response to um Terramalius is that it creates or it presents an alternative understanding of Australian history and yet um and I can see given uh what happens to some of the protagonists in this three-part epic um, I can see why people would feel um, you know a bit confused as to the truth that is being presented and yet what you're presenting is a sequence of um, events that both did happen and didn't happen mm -hmm. I mean um, if we look at the way in which the bicentenary was celebrated in Australia um, and the absolute erasure of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voices what what followed that was um, all the work, the massive, rigorous, deeply ethical work of the 10 year or more process that mm. led to Crobbery 2000, um, which was then that, you know, uh, <laughs> epic moment in uh, the, the Opera House where uh, John Howard rejected this document that was presented and was then kind of you know, raising his voice and shouting mm. at everyone gathered in that space because people were quite rightly mm. disgusted with what was going on. He was, you know, banging his fists on the, yes, you know. Yeah. So that's a moment where you can, and, and, and you two have, mm. kind of crystallised the violence of what then happened in those following years by, um, you know, eating people up yeah. during that moment of celebration. I mean, there's, you know, the way that truth, um, the way that we understand what truth is, mm. um, is, is, is very much, um, you know, eviscerated, but also presented so forcefully in, yeah. in, in what you do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, that, and for us as well, it's really personal, you know, um, we, you know, at, at the moment when we were, um, what, eight and ten, we also protested in Sydney with Rob, our mum, um, uh, at, at those sort of, like, um, seminal um, bicentennial protests. Yeah, and, wow. and we felt that really strongly then, mm. even as young people. And, and then, of course, over the years, you know, we've just felt a growing sense of... Um, anger and shame about just how far the any any form of social justice has, has seemed to be from the national political agenda and I think that when it came to making this work we just felt an increasing sense of um, of the fact that the time for like um, speculative fictions and, and critical utopias was over, over and we just felt like it was a time for rage and historical reckoning and we just wanted to like sort of um, confront some of these issues head on, um, which 
you know, in a more abstracted way, ended with like us trying to come up with an edit in which, um, <laughs> a, you know, <laughs> a, a bicentennial celebration is ravaged by flesh-eating sheep. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even right now, you know, you look at like the government, like, you know, proposing to spend like millions and millions of dollars, like to sink that into a monument to Captain Cook. Oh, I mean, God. like, it, it feels so bad to be at a point in time where there has been so much amazing activism and so much amazing history. And yet to be here and to feel like there's been no progression, like that we're not on a trajectory towards some kind of better space that we're actually going backwards. It just feels... I don't know that's that's a real that's where the rage comes from you know like how could this possibly be when we've had such amazing gains and, and now we're stepping just backwards all the time I oh don't know. god exactly exactly i don't want to get really down on it <laughs> there's we also t- a lot of hope and optimism we try to we try to find the moment the pockets of optimism but yes. we we, all, we often end up in this like dark, dark place. place yeah <laughs> i think the dark place needs that reading though i mean the um to to present um that captain cook Thing as a um, you know a key initiative like the sole initiative uh, for the arts budget oh, the arts budget year. no less I know like as if oh, that yeah. wasn't rubbing that was like salt in the wounds yeah. like yeah, we're gonna like quit the ABC but then do that like you know. well of, of the 50 million that was announced for that project 25 million was taken from the ABC and that was explicitly stated yeah. in the budget papers and so yeah that's um, it's simply not possible that the decision makers behind that uh, are unaware of um, you know the the cultural violence of, of that act, Absolutely. particularly when we consider that the, the, the site that they've chosen is the Absolutely. site of um, the first violence against yeah. an Indigenous person within 15 minutes of uh, that ship arriving. Yeah. It's a deliberate provocation. Provo- you know what I mean? Like, of course, that's what it is, and yeah. that's what's so hurtful and rude about it. It's not accidental. It's it's deliberate. And at the very moment yeah. where where we're all sort of you know, trying to articulate um, the important work of decolonisation. That's, yes. the, that's the, the sort of governmental response we get, and it's gutting. Um. And in that case, uh, or, or in that sense, um, it is insulting when our own government pursues strategies that are designed to evoke outrage in us, because that outrage is a great big distraction and it allows a whole bunch of other things to happen that are, that are quite appalling. Um, the, the outrage around your film um, must be particularly disappointing, I guess. Um, there, there, there's outrage that I'm, um, I'm sure um, you're keen to foster in the sense of um, like how do you have uh, a visceral response to a work that is actually a motivator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then... Um, the uh, the disappointment of the foundations uh, distancing itself from the work um, when that had been um, the nature of the work had been known along the entire process of of, of, of working um, that must be yeah just a, a, a disappointing I guess thing to have to keep negotiating and talking about I guess so I mean I, I, I totally agree and at the same time it's a funny thing to you know, be an artist and be absolutely willing to work with um, institutions about the work that you make. But at the same time, um, you know, we, we never made this work for the Ian Potter board. I mean, I just think that's such a, a, a critical, obvious thing to say. Like, you know, um, you know, this work was for 
from many different communities and one of them was definitely not those members of the board or or even or even sort of the, the conservative politics of the right. Yeah, we don't even sort of see it as like a provocation towards like conservative, you know, um, factions. It's like it was more for us a sense of solidarity to communities yeah. that we're part of. Yeah. And like, you know, something for for the people that we know, for the amazing histories and communities that we're part of and, and that we feel solidarity with. So, you know, the fact that it upsets someone that is like, you know, like I don't know, that idea, like, you know, the project already has an internal kind of critique of the idea of the way interest and power, you know, like relates to the control of cultural narratives. But that's not, you know, the most important thing for us is solidarity. And, yeah. it's, you know, so it's like it's it's, it's an it interesting is, thing that happened. But. And, but, you know, I mean, not to sort of try to stifle the curiosity about what happened with that mm. controversy because we're also... We, we think that is a really fascinating thing that happened around that project. And I think it's also worth saying things like, you know, I mean, people often want to know, um, you know, what it was, which part of Terranalius was the straw that broke the Ian Potter Foundation's back, you know, and and we'll, we'll probably never know for sure, but we definitely know that, like, um, it's more complicated than, um, you know, our irreverence to Pauline Hanson or, or, or Tony Abbott or our queering of like the man from Snowy River. Um, in more recent times, we've found out that like, um, you know, one of the more, more famous um, members of the Ian Porter Foundation um, is Daryl Dawson. Um, Otherwise yeah. known as dissenting Dawson. Yeah, the only dissenting judge on the Marbo judgment. Exactly. exactly you yeah. know, so yeah. it's a it's a complicated web of um, yeah. it of really interest, is. You know, and yeah. it's a tough thing to kind of try and figure out or, or decode, but yeah, it, 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 it speaks to those ideas. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, the um, Marbo judgment of nineteen ninety three was what oh. overturned the doctrine of Terranalius in Australia <laughs> for the first time and made it possible for um, Indigenous land claims to be considered, but also, of course, had a major uh, cultural impact on Australia, um, probably uh, only to, uh, only matched by uh, the result of the 67 referendum in the way that we yeah. understand, um, you know, what it is to be sharing a continent um, with people who've been here for more time than we can possibly, possibly exactly right. imagine. Oh, my goodness. Um, now, I should say, for the purpose of our listeners and the recording, uh, I'm a former board member of ACME and I was on the board at the time when uh, the work was commissioned and I was not involved in any of the decision-making. Um, and um, in the times that I visited ACME more recently um, and um, three times, went to see Terranalius. And each of the times, um, the audience response was super different. Like, there was one where people were like, you know, laughing, enjoying. There was another time where it's like fist pumps. Uh, people get, yeah, yeah, you know, just, and other people getting into it. Um, and there was a, another time where people walked out. Wow. And uh, once one or two people walked out, then other people walked out as well. And possibly, you know, people were busy and, you know, it's a... Um, it's an environment where obviously it's um, it's clear that you know the session begins every hour on the hour, and it's not ticketed, so you can walk in and out, um, and so it's very likely people to know what they were stepping into. But I also like that idea that people were just so kind of affronted with having to just go away and think about it for a while. Yeah, and and, and also, not? I mean, we, you know, we're absolutely genuine in saying that, like, um, you know, we'll always be reticent 
to suggest what it is that we want people for, to take away from this work. And we're yeah. absolutely genuine in saying that, like, like God, this work is a provocation. You know, it's a invitation to conversation. And and God, we're you know we're just much more interested in opening a space in which other people can like speak and ideate and and be be you know moved or mad or walk out or whatever or and bored. or bored or, or bored. you know whatever it worst. might be I think that's the worst thing <laughs> <laughs> like seriously i just think you know in the whole spectrum of ethical and artistic responses to things yeah uh, andy warhol seemed to think boredom was really radical you know? yes, yes i don't know why but. All right, let me switch to a technical topic around uh, copyright because this is one of those um, areas where um, um, we're probably in, in disagreement about, um, I don't know, just sort of broader principle in, in general, but I'm really interested to know about, because there's copyright kind of as in, you know, like the acknowledgement of work and all of everything in your... In, 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 um, internalities is acknowledged. I particularly love how it's acknowledged by Prime Minister. So you see the the creds at the end and just get this sense of what was happening politically, you know, at different yeah. times. And then there's um there's there's a moral rights thing, there's copywriters in like the actual copyright act. Yeah. And then there's um, you know, I guess um how artists um earn a living, you know, sort of in, in, in different ways. Absolutely. Um, and so, tell me about, um, well I guess two questions, like, yeah, how, how do you guys sustain your practice as artists? And then, um, and let's talk about, you know, your principled approach to the way that you use work. Yeah, oh, wow, they're, they're such good questions, Esther, and I think they're ones really close to our heart and also close to our wallet and all those different... <laughs> kinds of things. I mean, I, th I think the first thing to say is that being an artist is like an incredibly precarious thing. Yeah. And even when you're, um, even when you're doing really well, you know, um, you're, you know, you live this very strange life of like, um, at one moment, um, when we're touring with the work right, ne right now, um, we're, we're supported and, um, you know, we might wake up to a breakfast buffet, but um, in a week's time we're going to fly back to New York and we won't be able to, like, pay our studio re rent. And so I think there's this, like, really interesting idea of... Just um, this dichotomy, right? Yeah. Yeah, between, like, you know, these weird privileged experiences yeah. and then this absolute, like, instability and, you know, like you know, you don't have any superannuation or, you know, like, it's just, it's that idea of, like, you mm. know, what it means to be a professional artist is so precarious and, yeah. and, and fascinating. Um, and there's no right answer for anyone, and we would certainly never suggest, um, you know, any sort of um, uh, thesis or, or ideology that is right for any one artist. I think you have to choose... The ideology for yourself. For us personally, we choose to um, kind of be um, uh, suspicious and outside of um, a relationship between art and capital. Um, so we're really interested in um, ideas of governmental um, support for the arts and using those systems. And yeah, we believe that, like you know, that is the place that we should be fighting for change in the arts you know towards government support I mean at the time when everything's being cut back but you know a living wage you know for artists like they do in France like you know that kind of idea where artists are supported artist projects are supported you know because 
that's outside of financial interests. So you don't have this like sense of um, projects coming into this sort of bind with with the interests of other people. We're really worried about the relationship that's being encouraged across the board between art and capital. Mm. Um, we think that these relationships. Um, are polite until the art is no longer willing to be and and that's really our concern yeah. Um, but yeah I guess to speak more you know to the idea of copyright you know I mean that's a, such a long conversation I feel like yeah. we could get into that and then you know you wouldn't finish the podcast for like hours oh we'd know? love a new podcast about <laughs> yeah, that exactly <laughs> like a whole podcast um but yeah I, I mean we we have we have ethics around that we just in terms of if if culture is privatized then you're also controlling the narratives in that culture, you know, and so the idea of privatizing culture and not being able to rework that, you know, that's a problem. And so we're not talking about, you know, abolishing copyright completely, but this idea of fair use, being able to reuse stuff, you know, within certain limits and in, in, within certain relationships, I mean, it's very important, like for us, otherwise there's no way to create alternative narratives to, to, to the dominant kind of narrative that you're getting. We're worried about the, you know, the current copyright regime seems to facilitate like a control of the narratives and resources of collective culture, um, and we think that's the thing that like needs redressing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, the I, I worry with the fair use stuff that it just allows um, artists' work to be reused in ways that they just don't have. Um, the influence or control over, especially when we think about, um, like there are some high profile Indigenous artist cases here and, and overseas, but also, yeah, that, that, that kind of notion of, um, you know, the work that is, um, the work that's created and the, um, um, the different meaning it can have mm. in different contexts. And then of course, um, the whole, uh, nature and corpus of, of yeah. your work is about taking um, and you know recontextualizing work so that it has a very different meaning in, in a different context. Um, but you also choose work that um, um, you know certainly in, in Terranalius um, is stuff that I guess um, is recognizable and so people kind of pick it when it's you know from Australian popular culture or documentary or, or film footage. There's that sense of, oh, okay, I'm recognising this now as something that is constructed from certain values, from a certain time, but the fact it's recognisable comes to us because it's been in a popular culture, maybe it's been commercially successful, it's like a different scale, I guess, of artists working in a, in, 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 in a different context. So how's that work for you guys, I guess, in in, um, in, in choosing what it is that, that you'll um, work with? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think that the recognisability is what makes it shared, you know, yeah. and the sharedness yeah. and the collectiveness of it is what's important. So we're not really, I mean, that's what draws us to that stuff, you know, it's, it's not the mainstreamness of it, but the fact that like, it means that when you're reusing that, you're joining audience members together in a common experience of something else that they've experienced in the past. And, and, you know, and that's, I mean, that's our interest, you know, in, in yeah. sampling and, and using that. So, I mean, that's something that's really important. 
We do. I mean, that's always how we've thought of sampling. I mean, Dan can get pretty crypto-mystical about talking about how sampling is like actually a form of contemporary witchcraft. It is. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I like um, that. It's true. You're kind of, you know... You're, you're creating you're, you're spells. The, yeah. You're creating certain, like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you're taking these things of cultural significance, these ingredients... And using them as totems to, yeah. like, create a different spell. But yeah, anyway. And it's true. No, <laughs> but it's absolutely true. Thought. Like you're teasing me. You're yeah. teasing me so bad. <laughs> no. We're not ribbing you. Like, yeah. I mean, you know it. Like, uh, I mean, our interest in sampling is we, we feel like it has a potentiality to forge these new communities um, between audiences and viewers using this material and, um, you know, create a space for solidarity as well. It's, it's, it's alchemical too. Just to continue the... Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want me yeah. to start talking about it? No. Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough. I'm intrigued. Oh. All right, so you're here for a while because you are um, uh, touring. You're going to be up in Brisbane sometime soon, um, but the base for you is in New York. Um, is that a sort of a... That's just indefinitely what is working best for you right now? Yeah, I mean, we don't think in indefinites ever. Yeah. I mean, I think this is what we're talking about with precarity of being an artist, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, indefinite is like, you know, the next <laughs> six months of yeah. being an artist. But, um, but yeah, it is, it is something that it, we find is nurturing us right now. Yeah, I, I mean, um, we've been in New York for about six years. We were in Berlin for about three years before that. But um, in New York, I mean, there's a lot to be terrified for right now yeah. and obviously listening every time you wake up and you turn on the radio and get caught up on the last 24 hours it's a harrowing politic but I think globally it's pretty harrowing right now but there's a lot to keep us in New York right now and part of that is this the simple belief of staying with the trouble and we're part of um, some really resilient communities there the queer communities the experimental film communities um, the what communities um, so a, a big part of um, what keeps us going every day is being part of that um, fight I think and we actually moved there after Occupy you know like that was in 2012 yeah. Yeah, yeah like wow. you know and really mm. feeling like wow something is going on there and like you know then we moved into a intentional community for a in year Queens, in yeah. Queens and so we were living there and we you know and there is, there is I was going to say was, but there is so much important activism happening in New York. But it is very depressing to find yourself now, you know, there. And in such a regressive in moment. In such a regressive moment when there, there seemed to be this trajectory of, of activism and hope, you know. And it's it's something to deal with, but, but something that I still feel very positive about and optimistic. Well, it's got to be. I mean, we think about the way that the media is being manipulated and that notion of like as soon as you've identified um, a truth as fake and the fakeness of of something um, and the, just the kind of you know the really sort of manipulative reflexivity of that um, against a situation um, where through a whole range of different kinds of technologies and media consumption people are getting so much more critical about you know what they see and understand. I think it's um, 
I'm definitely on the side of the optimism. I think um, it is frightening, like it is genuinely, genuinely frightening mm. what is happening there and, and being picked up um, by some of the more lazy approaches to conservative politics here. Mm. But um, surely we can only address that as makers. Well, Dan and Dom, thank you so much for talking with me and I'm going to be super excited to see what comes next. Thank you so much, Esther. Head to our website, visualarts.net.au, for more information on NAVA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organisations.